Hey, badasses, I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Stays Kirsch. And we're your hosts for the Badassery Life podcast, a podcast where we have the privilege to sit down and talk with women we think are living badassery lives. These are ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Women who are social activists, moms, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, mentors, and more. We hope to awaken the badass in you by bringing you stories of powerful, beautiful, bold women like this one. This former youth minister once spent a year volunteering at orphanages for children with disabilities and youth with HIV AIDS in Jamaica, was a social worker for children on probation and in foster care. She walked the talk as a foster parent herself and worked in a homeless shelter with community integration focusing on job placement, among many other awesome things. Many other badass things. That's right, right? Yeah. Meet Rose Hyman, the founder of Peace Cycle, a small startup business that aims to educate and employ persons in Haiti, promoting eco-friendly practices and empowering individuals and families to be self-sufficient. Rose, can you tell, so first of all, welcome. Can you tell us a Thank little you. more Thanks kind of your elevator speech about Peace Cycle? Uh, yeah. I, elevator speeches are always hard, but essentially, um, in Haiti, we there's a form of trash that's very prevalent. Um, it's a water bag that I often, I have one here, you can help me in describing it to listeners, but it's essentially, I describe it kind of like a sandwich bag, but sealed on all four sides, like a snack size sandwich bag, as you say, and they bite off the corner and then um, drink that water. And it's a way of getting purified water to everyone. And it's very prevalent and we say almost 8 million a day are used in the country and it's just thrown on the ground because there's no trash collection. And so essentially seeing all that trash, seeing so many people who needed jobs and a source of dignity um, to pay for their own kids' education, buy their own clothes and pay for their own rent and not have handouts being given to them. Um, I just was inspired to create some source of employment with this trash and uh, Hasn't been an easy road, but um, years later, we have a business and we create products out of this trash. Um, and then in the meantime, the goal is to create a dignifying space where everyone who works there is treated with respect and they know that what they do is of value. So, Well, we're going to get into all of what you're doing in Haiti, how you got started and everything else, because I just I think it's so amazing. But in full disclosure, we wanted to start by letting you know that one of Stevie's neighbors actually met you on her first mission trip to Haiti. She was so impressed by the way you handled the Peace Cycle tour that um, she's continued uh, following you and the amazing work that you're doing. So Rose, that was actually eight years ago that she made her first trip. And that neighbor was so impressed by you that she has visited your facility every year since, except for, of course, this year. Um, she also describes you as the most beautiful, vibrant, loving, and peaceful soul she's ever met. So with that, we're going to dive right in. Wow. Uh, let's start, Rose. Oh, I know. <laughs> You're like, who's that neighbor? I need to know that neighbor. I know. I'm thinking, well, that's a lot of high, high expectations to me. I'm feeling a little bit high. <laughs> All great kudos to you, though. So let's kind of start, Rose, from the beginning. So you grew up in Decatur, Indiana. Uh, you graduated from Purdue. Then you, you went on to do some amazing social work. What exactly took you to Haiti? 
So actually my first year at Purdue, um, I went to Catholic parish on campus at St. Tom's and they had like what they called a sister parish in Haiti. And so they went every year, but it was always usually adults who went and we were college students. Um, and some other friends and myself were like, Hey, we want to go, we want to experience this other world. And honestly, we were so ignorant. I look back and I think, Oh my gosh, I can't believe we, I mean, I probably couldn't have even found Haiti on a map. It was one of those, like, I just had this vision, like, I want to go there. I want to help people. I want to, and now I kind of look at people like myself and I'm embarrassed and I say, oh gosh, that's very ignorant of us thinking, oh, us great Americans are going down to this poverty stricken country and save the world and that savior complex kind of thing. But when you're 18, you kind of like, have this vision and this idea and but I think because it was a unique experience where I realized maybe my intentions weren't quite right I learned like oh wow they don't really need a handout they need support they need encouragement they need motivation they need hope um and I think like slowly I've read a lot of books I've read a lot of things about how how helping can hurt and how um what what is really the reality of everything from the economy that gets crushed when, you know, if you bring a bunch of handouts of shoes, then the poor guy in the neighborhood who fixes and repairs and sells shoes has lost his job. So I've, I've kind of turned things from that first um, experience in Haiti when I was just young for one week over Christmas break while I was in undergrad. But um, that was my kickstart and changed my life for sure. I just want to say how impressed I am because I actually went down to, I had the privilege of going down to Haiti with Republic Airways on a quick trip, some of the work that they're doing um, to, to help the communities down there. And I honestly, I left there overwhelmed. You're right about the track. I mean, I was overwhelmed with yes. the devastation, the, the amount of trash and the poverty and, and everything that I experienced in those two days. But I, you know, I came back and thought, well, you know, what can I, what could I, what could I possibly do? And so I'm so impressed that you were able to just take those same feelings and create what you've created. Well, it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> that was almost 20 years ago that I went for that. Yeah, but still, but still. Yeah. Well, and I mean, really, it was over the course of time. I went a couple times on those, like, I went on a medical trip um, and led another student trip while I was still an undergrad. But then I lived my life. I did a lot of, as you mentioned, um, basically my history is pretty high burnout rate type of activities of social services world. So I just kind of needed to hit the refresh button um, some years ago. And I went down, just decided to volunteer to help start a Special Olympics program in Haiti. And that's when I saw the trash and I was on my own and kind of independent and seeing all this trash and observing people a little more. It was less of just a one week trip with 12 other people sort of guided um, thing and it was more me really observing things and that's when I realized what the true value of belonging and being a part of the neighborhood and being a part of the culture could do to help make a difference. So Rose you mentioned the word handout a second ago and I want to reference that because I know that you have some pretty passionate feelings and words about handouts versus empowerment. Can you kind of talk about that? 
Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I feel like, and it's a sensitive subject because I think I have complete confidence that everybody who does any kind of outreach kind of program has good intentions. But um, I've heard somebody say, well, something is better than nothing. And unfortunately, I think sometimes nothing is better than something if the something is detrimental. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot. And and I, I'm the first to say that I'm guilty as charged. I very much did the wrong thing many times before. And I won't say that I'm perfect now. I'm doing the right thing 100%. Every day I reevaluate if what we're doing is truly the best thing. Because it's so easy as an outsider looking in to think, what you think is best for a community or, I mean, any group, we can do it here within our own, with our own culture, right? We can look at other people and say, oh, these, these people need to do this and those people need to do that. But unless you put yourself in those shoes, it's impossible to really know what is best for them. And I think that's what I've essentially tried to do. So in 2014, I moved down there with a suitcase and like, a portion of my life savings and said, okay, I'm going to see what I can do. I didn't know the language at a Creole dictionary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So I took my Creole dictionary and luckily there was like a little neighbor, nine-year-old girl. Um, I found a place to rent and I rented a little space and I just started learning the language and learning the culture. And I learned the hard way, a lot of things for sure. Um, and I still am learning the hard way oftentimes, but I think being a part of that and learning I mean, I learned the road that I shouldn't walk on by myself because I'll get mugged because I got mugged. And I have, you know, some different things that that you kind of, um, maybe it would have been better for somebody to tell me things, but I think having learned the language slowly and painstakingly helped a lot. It, you, you say like you got mugged like it was really no big deal, but you actually got mugged twice and robbed, right? Yet you're still very passionate about the community and the work that you're doing, which is, which is incredible. But I know that that was something when you talk about vulnerability that, I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible that you um, got through that and continue to, to stay down in the country. And, and can you just talk a little bit about that too? Well, I totally give that credit to my staff. Um, so currently we have 18 um, staff working at the Peace Cycle Workshop. Um, in some ways the dream is to grow bigger, but truly we're like a family and recognizing like a huge factory is not family oriented. Uh, we kind of like the way it is now, but we started with just three people, grew to five, then, you know, adding one up here and there. And um I think at the time when the workshop was robbed, nobody was there. I was there because I lived there. I had walked out to help a friend carry some things out. In the meantime, people broke in, took all the cash that I had hidden in like five different places. So clearly they had been watching and looking through the, the windows and things. And they even took my clothes. They took my bra. They took my dresses. They took, yeah. So it was quite invasive. Um, and overwhelming because it was right before Christmas and I was going to pay the staff a little bonus for Christmas. So not only could I not pay them their bonus, I couldn't pay them at all. Um, so I had this heart to heart and that was in kind of early stages where I would say my Creole was sufficient to get the message across, but maybe not always like as tender and sensitive as I would have wanted because I maybe didn't have the right words. Um, funny stories about some of my language skills or lack thereof in the early stages. But uh, so basically I told the staff, I'm really sorry. We're not going to be able to work for a while until I can find a way to pay you because you deserve to be paid. And they all unanimously said, 
That's not how it works. If we don't work, we're not going to be able to make more product that could hopefully make us more money. We're not giving up. We're coming anyway. And I was like, just in tears, like here are these people who have nothing. I mean, heck, if I get robbed, I have a credit card. I can just fly back to the world I once knew and start life over again. I could get a job at McDonald's flipping burger in a heartbeat. And, you know, I could, I could call anybody that I hardly even know and ask for a $500 loan to get a ticket to get back. And I mean, there's a million opportunities I have to save grace in a difficult situation. They have that. They don't have that. They have nothing. And I was just so inspired by their, I mean, it's not the first time they've lost everything. I mean, that happens to them time and time again. And, and that really, I mean, I have chills even telling the story years later because it was such, um, such a beautiful reality that here I was supposed to be the one quote unquote helping them. And they were the ones that absolutely inspired me and gave me the motivation and empowerment that, that I needed to, um, I mean, back to, back to your words, Stevie, that I had mentioned about empowerment is just that like taking away that dignity for them would have been not working, but they were empowered to rebuild their own business by continuing to work and get back into the swing of things. So yeah, it it was really wonderful. We can learn a lot from that kind of resiliency. That's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Rose, I know another word that people have kind of tried to tag um, or attach to you that makes you bristle is the word saint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) thank you, but I will hand that title back because I, I often tell people what I say is, I think there's only two requirements to be a saint. And one is you have to be dead. And the other is that you have to be in heaven. And as far as I know, I'm not dead. And I definitely know from all the realities of the world that this sure is not heaven. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that, that that's not where I'm at yet. But I would like to work and strive towards that. But I'm, I'm still a work in progress and very broken on the way. <laughs> well, you've definitely made an impact in the places that you've served. I saw somewhere that when you talked about um, being robbed, somebody quickly turned around and did a fundraiser for you. And um, the words that were used said, uh, Rose is one of the most insightful, helpful, generous, Christ-like, and practical people I've ever met. So you're, you're may not, don't want to claim a sainthood, that's fine, but you're, you're definitely um, making a a big impact on a lot of people. Um, But that, that journey has definitely had some challenges as you shared um, already. But you also mentioned to us um, before this, that on the world's banks, ease of doing business index, Haiti ranks 189th out of 190 with respect to ease of starting a business. Yet you said being na- uh, naive contributed to forging ahead without knowing better. So what are some of the lessons learned along the journey, knowing how hard it was going to be, but yet you still ventured out and did it? Yeah, I think so. I, I mentioned that I had been down there years before I helped starting a special Olympics program. And basically I saw all this trash and I thought, oh, what we could just do a fun activity. And I said, I told a couple of the neighbor ladies, like I had started a running group with the neighborhood boys, but none of the girls wanted to join that. So I told, they were like, well, we want to 
it's just kind of, oh, there's this weird white girl who doesn't talk very well and sounds like a little kid. So we want to hang out with her too and figure out what her weird life is like. So I was like, okay, let's pick up this trash. And I, I don't know why I told them that. Honestly, I think I'm, I'm often ahead of myself. I, I'm very much an ideas person. I get excited about stuff, but then I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Um, too many projects. And so I said, well, come back with this trash tomorrow and we'll, and then I thought, gosh, so I did a little research and I figured how could we do this? And I thought, well, I wonder if we ironed these together or something. I mean, they always iron their clothes. So I took a pillowcase and I put them in between there and I tried to do this. And the ladies came and we just experimented, ended up making this bag and sewing it together. And I didn't know it would work. It was just trying. And the, the joy and the pride on those, the three ladies who had a part of that very first bag was not a product. It was not a business. It was just a fun craft activity in the afternoon. Um, that's what changed my life. That inspired me to want to do something. And I thought, I said, ladies, you could start a business with this. I had no idea about the World Bank's <laughs> index of ease of doing business. I, I don't have no business background at all. And I just said, gosh, you could start a business. And I thought they would sell it to their own people. They could make it for the marketplace. It would fit on your head to carry your products. And then I realized, no, if they're going to get paid a dignifying wage, they can't sell it to their cohorts because they won't have the money to buy it. And so then the whole scheme changed and I realized we have to sell it to foreigners. We have to um, have a different marketing strategy. And none of that is stuff I'd ever researched. None of it is stuff I had ever known about. Um, I am really very much more of a social people person, not a theoretical business uh, Excel spreadsheets kind of person. So it took a lot of um, slow progress. But in some ways, I feel like that's what has made us who we are because it's easier to stay with your morals and your values and your objectives when you weren't given a million dollar grant that you suddenly have a bunch of money you have to spend and you can build all these things. I mean, it was my life savings. So every dollar was like very cautiously spent or not spent. And I bought one yard of fabric at a time and I like tried this and tried that. And I lived in the corner of a little room that had no electricity and no running water. And I wasn't like going over the top with lots of, and on the same note that I talk about handouts for them, if I was given a handout, I probably would have spent the money more frivolously, but because it was near and dear to me and like, it was important. I, um, yeah, I spent, I spent it slowly and we progressed very gradually. So not any big business uh, gifts or skills around here. <laughs> so Rose, you talk about um, kind of selling those bags to foreigners. I can tell you that the person, my neighbor, who has now visited your facility eight times, we live on in a lake area, and I see your bags on nearly every boat in this lake community. <laughs> so I know that my community, at least, and I'm- I think you're narrowing here. down who this <laughs> neighbor might be. She does like to have presents for all of her friends when she goes back. I think I might know. <laughs> Probably do. 
so I'm a visual person and a visual learner. There's a video, right, Rose, like on your website um, to help direct people who are, who are listening to this podcast if they want to learn more. Um, what, you know, where can they find out more information and what, like, I'm trying to visualize the process and I did get on your website and saw the bags and they're amazing. Yeah. Um, so actually, and that's something, if somebody wants to do a little internship and be, um, uh, in Haiti for a couple of weeks and help us make some more video and do some photography skills, that would be really amazing. Um, I, am I getting a volunteer? Stevie's like, Ooh, me. Okay. Well, well, I'm volunteering you too, Kelly. I'm saying we could go. We could take badassery life on tour. It would be amazing. You totally could. Let's do it. I have often said that. I was like, we need to do a podcast. So we can do a Haitian podcast. We're going to do photography and videography. Okay. I'm excited. Let's do this. I literally, our workshop is two miles from the airport. I'll come pick you up. Um, I even have a car now. I previously would walk to the airport and tell people I'd be willing to pick them up and we can walk back. So we can do that too. But I'll even pick you up in a car. It'll be great. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll I love it. This Look. Offline. This is amazing. I'm excited. <laughs> Stevie's like, okay, keep us on track. We have to keep this podcast at 30 minutes. Ladies, we'll plan our next vision moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, honestly, I would love it. And I, and actually the internship thing, yeah, this can be offline, but I, the internship thing is something I haven't really fully created a, a mock-up of how that would look of how a student even could get credit for it or something like that. But it's certainly a pipe dream I have because I am drowning alone a little bit. And I feel like having some, young ideas and stuff would be cool. So well anyway. our hope yeah our hope with these stories are to inspire and empower people. Um so maybe somebody listening will um you know have great connections or great ideas. So it's always one of those where we think, oh my gosh, if could we start something or help someone yeah, by telling you never know. Stories. So absolutely I love this uh so much and hope that somebody who's listening may have great contacts and and be in touch with you um, beyond this podcast as well, yeah. um, for sure. Because you, like I said, you're doing amazing work. So Rose, with all that you've accomplished, and it's a lot, you've accomplished a lot. And, and we're proud of the work that you're doing now and all the work that you've already done. What brings you the most joy? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think... I once wrote about how the first payday I did for Peace Cycle was like one of the happiest days of my life. And it was really introspective for me to think about it because it actually was a payday in which I was not the recipient. (laughs) As a matter of fact, it like emptied my proverbial pocketbook rather than filled it. And I think, um, it gave me so much joy because I saw the pride that we all deserve for, um, and, and I say payment, but it doesn't have to be in money. It could be in compliments. It could be, we all deserve to be acknowledged for the work that we do and for the efforts that we put in and be that a stay at home mom who should be acknowledged for all the work that she does. She doesn't get a paycheck, but she deserves to be acknowledged and praised for the work that she does. And I think that like in this setting, it was these people 
who were willing to pick up trash, which is very taboo. If you, um, so the word in Creole for crazy, like you and I can say you're crazy and I'd be like, oh, Stevie, you're crazy. And it's a compliment. We're like, yeah, I'm crazy. And it's real positive. <laughs> but culturally in Haiti, the word crazy is more uh, like psychopath, like a, like a lunatic, uh, like go to the loony bin kind of crazy. And when we would pick up trash, people would call us crazy. And I mean, I often wouldn't go with them because sometimes if the white person is there, it kind of gives a different connotation. So they would be picking up their trash and they were like, yeah, everybody thinks we're crazy. And I said, well, wait until you show them the beautiful thing you made out of it and see if they still think you're crazy. And now they don't think they're crazy. They, they're jealous. They're like, I want to get a job there. I want to do that. Can I have one? Will you give me one of these bags? Can you give me a present? I want, I want a wallet. Can you give me, you know, like, um, so it's kind of changed that perspective. And I think that the pay of course shows them that what they do is valuable, but sometimes we have groups come take a tour and they'll say, can I give the staff a tip? And I often say the best tip that you can give is a compliment or somebody who might say, I bought this five years ago and I still use it. Or I gave a present to my niece and she was so happy. And, oh, look at this picture of my cousin who uses this bag at the beach every day. Or um, those types of things are rewarding because it shows that their work is valuable. And of course, the money is also complementary to that. But um, what I say about like a tip is that like, our goal is to pay a dignifying wage to begin with, that their salary does compensate for that. And if people want to give a tip and stuff, I often pull that money and then we'll do like a staff party or a treat or go on a field trip, uh, do some kind of activity. We go to a fancy restaurant in town and uh, I once took them to the, we have a Japanese restaurant in Port-au-Prince that has sushi and everything. So we learned how to use chopsticks and we, and then they pretended like they were speaking Japanese and it's just (laughs) such a fun, I mean, but it's, I mean, and, and this is absolutely not to belittle um, my coworkers that work with me, um, but in general, they're uneducated, illiterate, and their exposure to the world is very small because of those lack of opportunities. Um, on so many, so many levels, they're way more intelligent than you and I because they have a capacity to do so many things that we aren't able to do, but we are definitely blessed with more education and exposure. It's great. I, when you talk about the the people and the culture of, of Haiti, I just remember when I was down there, I, I don't didn't understand the language. They probably didn't understand my language, but it was the language of smiling and just joy. And, you know, I just remember like shaking my head and smiling and yes, no, I have no idea what you're saying, but I love you. Yes, yes. And the kids were just so hug it, you know, they want, this was obviously before COVID and we were allowed to hug, um, but uh, you know, right. Um, But it was just like the small things made such a big difference and it was just an incredible feel. Like I left there feeling so blessed and feeling like they were so blessed in, in the world that they were living in. And it was pretty incredible, but. Well, there's a beauty um, in simplicity for sure. And I think that I often see my staff as, and, and, and like I was saying, not to belittle their abilities, but I often perceive if I think of them as more like a preschooler in the way of not 
again, that sounds so condescending and that's not at all what I mean, but in the sense of that a preschooler finds joy in such simple things. A preschooler is so excited when you take them to a, a field trip of some sort or to somewhere they've never been because everything is new. And my staff is age 27 to 57. It's not that their age is the same as a preschool, but their experience and exposure is often, unfortunately, you and I probably had more experiences by the time we were seven, you know, on, on many levels, on other levels, definitely not. But so um, just exposures to games, activities, puzzles. Um, I, every time I go back to Haiti, if I, every time I come back to the U S when I go back, I always take a suitcase full of different types of Jenga. We love Jenga. Um, perfection, the game where the things all pop up if you don't get it in and the right in the time. Oh yeah. That um, scares the shit out of me all the time. Yeah. Though. Right. <laughs> well, there's, it does us too. Don't worry. Yeah. But, like, these types of things connect for, I mean, we're always learning new things because they've never had the chance to do this. And like I said, we went to this Japanese restaurant in Port-au-Prince and oh, so much excitement over things. That, I mean, they excite me too, but for me, I've been to a Japanese restaurant before. I've eaten sushi before. So now I get to relive that excitement with my staff who hasn't had that blessings in their lives. as of, Just as if I take uh, uh, my seven-year-old nephew to somewhere he's never been, it's the same kind of experience. So that's yeah. cool. One of the things that we love to celebrate is the incredible gifts of women. We believe that all women have gifts, um, gifts of inspiration, strength, courage, empowerment, so many more. What gift do you think that you have and how do you like and or want to share it with the world? So that's such a good question. Um, I often struggle and don't feel like I have a lot of strengths. I, I definitely have more in the weakness column. Um, and every day I'm trying to learn new things and overcome those things. But I've heard it said that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And it's my hope that I felt that this is what I was supposed to do but I had no skill sets to do it. I didn't go to business school. I didn't like learn about foreign affairs. I wasn't a linguist. I didn't have any skills whatsoever that um, I think I would have needed. If had I known when I was 10, that this is what I would do, I would have taken a different path, studied different things, talked to different people, researched in different ways, but I didn't. But um, I slowly feel like God is equipping me with what I need day by day. Sometimes he's a day late. So it's like, that would be nice to know yesterday. But um, I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm just slowly. And I guess my word of encouragement and empowerment to other women is, I think our world, especially our developed world, and I would say especially here in America, um, teaches us that we're not good enough and that we as women aren't sufficient and that we always should we should be taller we should be shorter we should be skinnier we should be fatter we should have bigger boobs we should have smaller boobs whatever the thing is that we feel insufficient about and I think like I've been inspired by my staff that is competent and I mean with with whatever they have what little education what what little exposure experience that they have a confidence that I think um, are, and also the ability to go, like you said, the resilience that they have to, to overcome things. And I think that we often get stuck in this spiral of defeat and a spiral of discouragement. And, and I'm guilty, I'm very, very guilty. And sometimes 
being in in that culture actually is more empowering and encouraging to me than being here in my own native space where I often feel defeated and discouraged. So um, I guess that would just be my word of encouragement to any other women out there that God equips the called. So if you feel like it's what you're supposed to do, don't worry about your skills and talents because <laughs> you can plunder and doggy paddle with the rest of us and you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, and you touched on something as we close out. One of the things that we really try and want to do with this podcast is really lift up other women and own that badassery that we all have within ourselves. Um, because honestly, we all are enough and we're doing enough and we are enough and um, being able to share stories like this are incredible. Um, you sell yourself short on saying that you have weaknesses, too many weaknesses and not the skills. I think you have everything and doing everything so incredibly well. More importantly, you have a big heart. You're incredibly gifted social activist, entrepreneur and philanthropy. I mean, you're turning trash into profit and a beautiful product. And so that, that's incredible. And empowering those those people around you, which is amazing. And for those reasons, and so many more, Rose Heitman, we think that you're a true badass living out your best badassery life. We so appreciate you being with us today. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me to be here. It really is a blessing in my, in my trip back to the U.S. It's fun to get to meet new people and share about it. So thanks. And, and that reminds me, where can people find you? Where should they? Look? So we are... are our website is just peacecycle.com and that's peace like P-E-A-C-E cycle, like the cycle of peace, um, not the cycle of urine, which is what my brother thought it was when I first made this. He was like, he's like, that's a really weird name. Why would you call it peace cycle? I was like, oh no. Geez. Oh no. So peace, P-E-A-C-E, the cycle of peace. Yeah. So, and that's, peace. and we're also on Facebook and peace cycle. Great. Well, we will make sure to include that information when we um, post the podcast. Again, we thank you for being here. A big thank you to the badasses out there listening. We'd love to hear what you think. Write us a review. Shoot us a message at badasserylife at gmail.com. If you want more stories like this one, you can find them on our blog at badasserylife.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Badassery Life and on Instagram at Badassery underscore life. A big shout out to Kevin McLeod for our podcast music and to our awesome producer, Jenny Duran. Until next time, keep being your badass self.